Our reading this morning is from Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. Jesus forgives and heals a paralyzed man. A few days later, well, a few days earlier, we better just remind ourselves that Jesus was asked by a, le- a leper if Jesus would heal him. He did, and he told the leper not to tell anybody, but he couldn't contain himself. And he told everybody and thousands of people came or many people crowded out. So Jesus had to go to the countryside. So a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier? to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And as Dennis comes up, let us pray for him. Thank you, Lord, for the work which Dennis does at Emmanuel House. And thank you for giving him a message for us today. May it be inspired by your Holy Spirit. Help our hearts to be open to hear and to act on what we learn from you this morning. Amen. Thank you, John. Um, And thank you for uh, your warm welcome this morning. It's a a joy and a delight. to be with you. Um, First of all, I want to say thank you for all that you do and all that you invest and all that you give to Emmanuel House um, over the years and and in the present for your money, your concern, your time, and your prayer. You are great gospel in action. Before the pandemic, you were involved in um, delivering sessions on a Wednesday night, and these were very important 
um, and provided uh, time for people uh, on the margins to come together and to eat and to um, have fellowship together. It was moments when all the, uh, the, the words and the projections that we put onto people who are homeless and on the margins fell away and their true humanity came through. And it's very important for Christian communities to be involved with Emmanuel House. And in the beginning, Father Roger Killeen, who's a Catholic priest, set up the charity. He wanted Christian communities to engage in social action as an expression of faith because Christian communities make a difference. So again, thank you for all you do, all you've done, and all that you still do. Where do I point this? Okay, I'm going to just carry on. Now on. Okay, so um, the gospel reading this morning tells us that uh, Jesus went home to Capernaum. Now, he goes into house, and whether it's his house or somebody else's house, that's uh, familiar, right? Um, it's, he's certainly uh, comfortable and familiar, familiar in there. And it was probably a menial house. It wasn't a, a grandiose place because the, um, the roof was probably made of mud and branches, which is why the men were able to make a hole in it. So we picture the scene. Jesus is in there teaching the people. And in a moment, then, all the, the debris starts to fall from the ceiling. And I guess to get a man through a roof, you would have to make it quite a size, maybe two meters by one meter. And there they all are looking up with dust falling in their eyes, with the sky scape getting bigger and bigger. And I guess there would have been a point when it eventually it became dim as they dropped the, their, their friend through and down onto the floor, presumably with the crowd moving apart to make a space. So what does Jesus respond? Well, Jesus does not decry an act of vandalism or rush to his insurance policy to see if he's covered, but interpret what has happened as an act of faith. He sees the paralyzed man, and the first thing he says to him is, son, your sins are forgiven. Not, hello, who are you, or what do you think you are doing, but son, your sins are forgiven. Then the other characters in the text are the, the teachers of the law, and they have quite a large presence in the, in, the, in the story. But have you noticed that they actually don't say anything in, in the text? It's Jesus who calls them out. Jesus knows what they are thinking in their hearts. Who can forgive sins but God alone, they think. And Jesus asserts that they, this is what they pontificate. Perhaps we can, he saw them whispering to each other under their breath or look of thunder on their faces. So then Jesus undertakes an act which is an outward and visible sign of who he is. He confirms his authority to forgive sins 
by saying to the paralytic man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. The man stands up and walks out. Then it is the ordinary crowd that uh, praise God in response to what they've seen. Jesus' momentum was gaining, Jesus' reputation was gaining momentum in a context of Roman occupation and people being oppressed by temple taxes. Here was this man who was different, who was new and certainly charismatic. And given that Mark is writing for ordinary people, it's the ordinary people present who validate who Jesus is above and beyond the teachers of the law, the so-called people of importance. So what does Mark reveal about Jesus that makes Jesus good news? Jesus is good news because he sets us free. Mark writes straightforwardly. This is Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, who came to pay for our sins and set us free. In summary, this is the good news Mark conveys. He is praying, he is saying that in his nature, Jesus is God. And we see this written in the very first verse of chapter one of Mark, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus, the son of God. However, seeing with our limitations, we can miss who Jesus is. And there are even times in the gospels when the disciples themselves don't get who Jesus is. In John chapter six, in the bread of life passage, after Jesus had fed the 5,000, the disciples are still so concerned with filling their bellies, they miss the significance of what Jesus has done and they, have, they miss the significance of who he is. They don't get him or fully understand. Then there are the encounters after the resurrection the people who know Jesus most do not recognize him until they have spent time with him and he shows them a sign. And Mary in the garden and the road to Emmaus are prime examples. The same question continues for us today. Who is Jesus to us? He said that the hungry are him, the naked are him and so forth. So the person who is sitting on the street is Christ. The woman who is subject to domestic abuse is Christ. But in order to find the image of God within, we have to spend time with them to know their name, about their childhood, about their schooling, their hopes and dreams, about their struggles and joys. I have sometimes observed the enthusiastic volunteer coming into Emmanuel House, perhaps for the first time. And what they are going to do is to feed the hungry. Two hours later, it is they who have been fed because the person they serve is the person with multiple disadvantage who they have got to know. They have destroyed their preconceptions and it is from them that they have received 
and see their perhaps disheveled and chaotic person in a new light. In the time that Jesus lived, the gods of the day were primarily interested in the strong and the able. But here Jesus attends to the vulnerable man. He is paralyzed and we assume he cannot walk. He is unlikely able to work. If paralyzed from childhood, he is unlikely to be married, so his hereditary line will cease. He is clearly dependent on others. This Jesus is for those who are not necessarily strong, but those of us who are impaired. Jesus is good news because, as he says later in Mark chapter 2, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus is also good news because he calls out those who oppress others. The teachers of the law were part of a system that oppressed the people. They had rules that lost sight of what was important to God. The prophets called this out when they proclaimed that God hates the finest of worship and sacrifice if morality and fair treatment of others is lacking. You can see that in Isaiah, Micah, and Amos. What God was saying through the prophets was that righteousness, their duty in covenant relationship, was fulfilled, not through careful ritual, but by doing justice. The rules of ritual were not just about spirituality, but about how people are treated. So the good news of Jesus is that we are called to treat the broken with justice and righteousness. In Jesus' time, rules about religious ritual had dovetailed into rules about oppressive temple taxation. Christian communities are leading communities in this nation for helping people. For example, Christian churches providing food banks and we hear the Trussell Trust challenging the government about why people are needing food banks in the first place, much as Jesus identifies and calls out oppression. As Desmond Tutu said, there comes a point where we need to stop just pulling people out of the river. We need to go upstream and find out where they're falling in. In homelessness services here in Nottingham, this is exactly what we are trying to do, prevent people becoming homeless in the first place. It's easier and less expensive to prevent someone from being evicted from their home than trying to find the accommodation yet again after they have been evicted. 
Calling out oppression goes hand in hand with our calling to be worshipping followers of Jesus. Jesus is good news for the broken because it's Jesus that takes the initiative. There is nothing spoken by anyone else in the story except by the crowd in response to the act of Jesus. Jesus is the one who speaks. Jesus is the one who acts. Jesus is the one who knows. How much of our, our lives as Christians are taken up trying to do it harder, to explain, to tell Jesus what is wrong, to tell him our brokenness. But the man comes through the roof and the text simply says, Jesus saw their faith. We do not need to struggle to explain to Jesus where we are in pain or have stress in our lives. Jesus knows. Rather than filling our prayer with petitions, we can simply be in our faith and allow Jesus to be with us. As Brother Roger, the founder of the Teze community said, the little faith we have is enough. It is Jesus who is the actor in our lives amidst our brokenness. It is he who takes the initiative. Like the paralyzed man and his friends, we do not need to speak. Jesus knows our hearts and our circumstances better than we know ourselves. When we are in distress, the real risk is that we allow Jesus to take the lead in our healing, for we know not where it will lead. Jesus is good news for the broken because he is concerned with the whole person. He attends to the spiritual and physical dimensions of the man's life. When stuff happens to us, it shapes us. Whether they are events in childhood, events that happen to people we love. Stuff that happens to us that is the fault of someone else or that we don't deserve, or we simply just get caught up in the system. These events shape us. Like the woman of faith I met recently, whose daughter died of cancer, told me, I just can't go back into that place, nodding towards the church she had worshipped in for her lifetime. We are reminded that just because we are people of faith, we are not isolated from tragedy and hardship. But we learn from scripture that Jesus is concerned with all of who we are. Each year, there is an event at Notts County Football Ground called the CEO Sleepout, inviting companies to come and sleep, sleep out for one night to raise money for a number of charities. After one of these events, some men were sitting around a table having breakfast, and one of them said, that was okay for a night, but after three nights, that would do my head in. Being made homeless does your head in, which is why so much emphasis in homelessness services is on mental health and well-being. It is why involvement of volunteers in homelessness from churches is so important because they can often be the conversation 
that encourages a person to take the first step. Emmanuel House is concerned about the material, physical, mental, and spiritual dimensions of people. Jesus is concerned with the whole person. One of the impacts on us of feeling broken is that it can be a very lonely place. We notice in this account that it is a group of friends that bring the man to Jesus. In distress, we do not have to be alone. Community is important. We need to understand that the consequences we find ourselves in are often a complex mix of dynamics that maybe we do not understand. Friends are important. Christian community is important. There is not one person here or that we know who has not needed support at some time in their lives. Christian community is particularly important because it gathers around Christ as the crowd gathered with Jesus and is inspired and motivated because first Jesus loved us. There are times too when our recovery is not instant, but we need to undertake a journey to get to the destination. The strap line for Emmanuel House is sharing the journey. Jesus shares our journey in good times, but also when we feel broken. He shares it with us towards healing. Some years ago, when I worked for this diocese, I was responsible, along with others, for starting open conversations about sexual abuse in the church. At one event we organized, a woman gave her testimony of terrible abuse. And she had a friend who accompanied her as she came to terms with what had happened. She described her friend as Jesus with skin on. Who is Jesus with skin on to you? And how might you be Jesus with skin on to others that you know? Community is important. We are all called to be in fellowship with one another. Jesus is good news for the broken because unconditionally he desires our restoration and liberation. He is about seeing us become the full, loving, engaging, creative, flourishing people we are created to be. Jesus forgives the man's sins so his relationship with God is uninhibited. He is free from anything that has hindered him in his spiritual life. And he has restored his physical well-being, the consequences of which are he is able to walk. The man picked up his mat and walked. The consequences are that it is likely that his restoration of health, he will then be able to participate more fully in his community to work for himself and perhaps be eligible to marry. And what's more, the gifts 
Jesus has given are unconditional. There are no ifs, there are no buts. Jesus heals the man freely. So the good news about Jesus in the context of our brokenness, our vulnerabilities and limitations is that he sets us free. He calls out those who oppress others. It is he who takes the initiative. It is he who is concerned for the whole person. It is he who offers his love and restoration unconditionally as he, restart, as he desires our liberation because first he loved us. So let us pray. Creator God, we give you thanks for Jesus who loves us more than we can possibly know. May we know his comfort where there is brokenness, hurt, or pain. We give you thanks for the many resources we have to bring about healing and make us aware of the times when we can carry another and when we should allow another to carry us as the friends carried the paralyzed man so that ultimately at your feet we hear your word, your sins are forgiven and get up and walk. Amen.